You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. You are indeed the Almighty God. You are the great I am, uncreated creator, the God of heaven and earth, the Holy One of Israel, the Lord God of hosts, the Ancient of Days, the God who can do all things, for whom nothing is impossible, the Almighty God of our creation. Lord, be exalted, be magnified, be lifted high. We enthrone you as King. Oh Lord, take up your holy throne deep within our hearts. Take a place that is yours alone, Lord. Just let it be that the increase of your government, there shall be no end. In we that have come to bow before you as your children, in your church, in our nation, in the families of the whole earth, let there be no end to your increase, O oh God. We give you the power to just lead us. Lead us, O oh God, for you are the Almighty and will forever be the Almighty God. Blessed, O oh God, be your holy name. And as I minister, Lord, you know that I cannot do anything without you. There is no power that I have other than the power that comes from Christ crucified. Be thou glorified. Let me not speak the enticing words of man's wisdom, Lord. Let me speak as your oracle. Let my mouth move like the pen of the ready writer. Let me speak with authority and boldness and the fire of the spirit of the most high God. Take over this place today and be with all of us. Be glorified in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Where shall I be looking at to get the timing right? I always ask for that. Is there a timer? Okay, that's not on. So let me use my... Uh... Very good. I am glad to be with you today. I came uh, because one of the things I prioritize in life is to be able to keep on with my kingdom assignment. Every one of us created, when we give our lives to Jesus, we immediately take up a kingdom assignment. Can you help me tell your neighbor you've got a kingdom assignment? When our Lord Jesus Christ was living, in Matthew 28, I think, verse 19, he began to say to them that, I give you authority, and you will have to take the gospel to all the nations, to all creation, starting from Jerusalem, Samaria, to the outer ends of the earth. That was a commission into kingdom assignment. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ commissioned us even before we were born into kingdom assignment. Because we would read the story of the disciples and sometimes think, oh, it was for the disciples. Actually not. It was for the disciples and the disciples, who, the 12 of them became the apostles. And then these other disciples that remained after all the others that used to eat bacon and bread had disappeared. Once the suffering of Christ came, they disappeared. But there were some that remained with the 12 apostles that, you know, were 11. They had to get one to replace the one that had decided that money was more important than his kingdom assignment. I pray for you today. You will not choose money over your kingdom assignment in the almighty name of Jesus. So the 12 and these other ones, and then suddenly, I'm so glad you're going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit, because it makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit came to that upper room in Acts of the Apostle, chapter 2, and everything changed. Suddenly, a very timid, very impulsive Peter became a leader. God transformed overnight. The same Peter that could not stand up to the scrutiny of a maid servant 
was ready to boldly confront the authorities of the city of that time. And no matter what they said, he just went for them. He went for them because he had become empowered. I pray that God will replenish us today so that every empowerment we need in order to be able to confront will be deposited in us. Is somebody saying amen? amen? Or is somebody just muttering an amen? amen. The, the amen is a very simple thing. It says sealed, stamped, and executed. That's what it means. Amen. Let it be. As you have spoken, Lord, so shall it be. So can I get somebody say an amen to the fact that we're going to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit as the people of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So that changed dramatically. Peter, the timid Peter, became a great orator and spoke. And the first time they said to us, 3,000 gave their lives. Spoke again, 5,000 gave their lives. As he kept speaking, the whole city was turned upside down. Somebody shout hallelujah. So many people were attracted to the message that was being given that before you knew it, church growth numerically turned into material growth, financial growth, expansion, and then the persecution, and then those who were hobbling away in Jerusalem suddenly realized that Jerusalem is not where we're supposed to all hide we're supposed to be infiltrating all the ends of the earth, carrying the good news of Christ. Carrying the good news. The great commission needed to be done. And it was in the spread of that great commission that at the end of the day, here we are. We're part of the fruit of the great commission. And the great commission has not ended because he said, occupy till I come. And so the baton has been handed to us. And we dare not sit in church and have powerful, powerful, powerful praise and worship. What, what are you called? The, the band is called what? <laughs> Just the band. I love that. The band. We're not supposed to just have a good time in church. And that's it. No. There's a great commission. That's our kingdom assignment. Can you ask someone, did you know that your kingdom assignment is to continue with the great commission, not simply to come to church? Please talk to someone this morning. Remind them. Please. Why are the two of you by the side of our European brother? I don't even know where he's from. But why are you not saying the word to him? Say to him, you have a kingdom assignment. There's a kingdom assignment. So there is a kingdom assignment, and then your kingdom assignment is tied to that whole Matthew 28, as I said. But then there is a vocational assignment. Your vocational assignment is tied to Matthew 25, the parable of the talent. In Matthew 25, he tells the parable of the talent, this man is going to go away and he decides that he's going to endow his servants with different talents. And one, he gave one, right? Another, he gave three. And another, he gave five. And then he tells us the whole story of what happened. The one given one said, nonsense. This wicked man was giving me one talent. I'm just going to go and bury it somewhere. The one given three worked hard on his tree and made more. One giving five, worked hard and made more. And when Christ came, he said, you know, the one who's worked this talent is going to get more from me. So, what, what's Christ trying to teach us with the parable of the talent? The, I think the most important thing I always say that I, I get each time I read, I read the parable of the talent is that Christ was saying, there is none of you that has been born into this earth without at least one gift. 
one talent, one endowment, one possibility that I have put in you. There is none that should be saying, oh, if only God had blessed. Oh, blessed. Blessed. What a testimony. I decree that even the blessed will someday call you blessed. I decree that because of you, the families of the earth will be blessed. I prophesy that amongst your generation, you will be a leading light. That many shall come to Christ because of your word. In Jesus' name. So, for us, we must look at the fact that we've been given a kingdom assignment, a vocational assignment, as duality of assignments. So that instantly changes the course of history for us. Because we don't, don't lead a life of aimlessness. A life of looking for the next job that's going to give you the best pay. And then so that you can get the latest car and live in a great home. What is that? If only in this life we have hope, then are we of all men most miserable. Peter's, uh, Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. That really, you know, if, if, if it is to just have a good time, to have plenty of money where we have comfort, if that is all it's about, then we are of all men most miserable. Because the truth be told, there is a vision greater than having an accumulation of things. I'm not preaching against wealth. I need you to understand that. All I'm saying is that that's not the If God gives you money and you think that's the purpose for which I have been born, what a mistake. What, is, what, a, what a lowly vision. Because giving us money is the easiest thing for God to do. Because he created the gold and the silver. Isn't that so? So the creator of the gold and the silver, if he decided that he would make it possible for us to gain plenty money, do you think we would need to go and do some crazy things to earn that money? No. He would figure a way to keep us on the path to that wealth. So the money, the possession, the items, they are not the most important thing for God. The most important thing for God while here on earth is for us to fulfill those two assignments. We must live lives of assignment. You asked me to come and speak that lead from wherever you are. Isn't that so? But you know what I've come to say to you? The easiest way to lead is to serve. Anywhere that you find a problem needing to be solved and you would step out and solve it and tackle it, you're leading. You're leading. My dad would say to us that I serve, therefore I lead. I serve, therefore I lead. You see a man, you see a woman who cannot care. You're walking into this church every day and you see a pattern of thrashing the, the floor, the grounds of the church. And you just walk over it and you come and sit down to hear about leadership. Who are you going to lead? You didn't even lead the paper on the ground. Should the paper be on the ground? You serve, you pick it, and you say, no, the house of the Lord ought not to be dirty because it's part of what he told them in the wilderness, that the tabernacle must always be clean. When you do that, you are leading. You're leading. You are influencing because that's what leadership is. That's it. Leadership is the power, the capacity, the ability to inspire, to influence, to change the course of a status quo in order to achieve a stated objective. Leadership has purpose. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. And purpose 
for the child of God is different from purpose as defined by those who don't know Christ. The purpose of a person who does not know Christ is that we're here to enjoy. Haven't you heard some people say that? I didn't come to this world to suffer. I came here to enjoy. That, don't you hear that kind of thing? And unfortunately, even some people in Christ would say that. They say, Christ didn't give me salvation so that I, can, I will be suffering. No. Our vision is deeper. It's more profound. Can you imagine a situation where somebody has a, a high vision, but the person chooses to operate at a low vision? Ah! Gosh, what a waste. Because everything we need in order to accomplish high vision is already in us. Amen? If you know that you carry what Christ has put in you to accomplish a high vision. Your kingdom assignment, your vocational assignment, I need you to do an affirmation of yourself this morning. I need you to speak to yourself. David always spoke to himself. You say, my soul. Huh? You, you know, some of his sons, whether 42, 43, he would talk to his soul. I need you to speak to your soul this morning and say, I affirm I affirm that everything I need in order to accomplish a high vision in Christ, fulfilling my kingdom assignment, my vocational assignment is already given. It's already given. I rise to the statue in Jesus' name. And so shall it be in the almighty name of Jesus. So this, the reason that I am stressing on assignment is that people define leadership according to the context within which they find themselves. So they look at it and they think leadership is a position. Leadership is an office. Leadership is a title. They are waiting to be announced as the next governor of Lagos State without even an election. Then they say, yes, uh -uh, I have now a leader. No. No. That's not what makes you a leader. True leadership is leadership without authority. You don't have to have formal authority for true leadership. In fact, tr people look at leadership as being something that happens from the top of the table. When the real truth is that real leadership of the kind that a nation like Nigeria is looking for is one that is offered at the bottom of the table. People are looking at the one sitting at the top of the table to offer the leadership. And the leadership is coming from the bottom of the table. Why? Because the one at the bottom of the table is so prepared and ready to confront the challenges that society ought to be tackling, which nobody is ready to confront. Are you understanding? Many of you are in environments where you have people who have formal authority, but maybe people don't even look at them or listen to them. But because you have influence, where does the influence come from? True leadership comes from those who are unwilling to negotiate their values. Because true leadership is really about pushing people to deal with value matters. If we want to solve problems and we need technical solutions to them, you know, we can easily get that. Do you know that? I'm asking you guys, maybe I should tell you what I said in the home church. When I ask certain questions, I need a feedback. Don't look at me like I'm a lucozade bottle, because I'm not. You know, true leadership, it's people say, understanding that if we have, do you think our problem with electricity. I think there was a time we, the, the, the light went out here. Okay. Do you think our problem with electricity 
is technical. Uh, many decades of problem with electricity, you think it's technical? It's, it's, it's a value issue. Do you think the fact that we're a country that has earned so many billions of dollars in petroleum resources over a period of more than four decades, and yet we have some 61% of the people in our midst in the poverty bracket. You think it's a technical problem? It's a what problem? It's a value problem. Do you think that the challenges we have of the failure of our institutions to evolve from mere agencies to institutions is a value problem, is a, is, a, is a technical problem that we don't have people who have been trained in all the ethnic groups of our country with one level of knowledge or the other that can get things done? Is that the story? No? No. So when you talk about leadership, we're not talking about coming to solve just technical issues. For technical issues, you can easily assemble solutions. Isn't that so? Yes. But when true leadership is what we're discussing, ladies and gentlemen, I dare say that the knowledge that it does not, um, it does not equate to having formal authority is what makes every one of you sitting in this place today, the leader that Nigeria has been looking for. Every one of you. You are the leader that Nigeria has been looking for. Because Nigeria is in a value crisis. It's the value crisis that has made the technical solutions not to work. Value crisis. The distortion of values has cost us. It is the reason that the choices we make as individuals, as families, as nation, as a nation of people, as businesses, the choices we make are crippling choices that are destructive to the good of all. We make ugly choices. We make ugly choices. What is the greatest moral burden of our country today? Can you answer? What's the greatest moral burden of our country? Corruption. But is it not the case that we're fast becoming so comfortable with it that people would tell you that <laughs> corruption is not a problem? People would tell you, leave that corruption talk, Joe. And yet, it's an albatross. It's an albatross. My dear people, it's an albatross. And it is standing in the way of what makes for a sensible society. So that when you have been discussing leadership for the last one month, you said, right? You know, all of you would have been contributing to the conversation. Those leaders, those leaders, because you see those leaders as being your politicians. Isn't that so? Uh, those leaders... Those leaders, those leaders, you see what I've done? You've been missing in action. You've been missing in action. God is expecting you to lead. In fact, the double responsibility is not simply the responsibility that comes by virtue of you being in a democracy where the role and the duty of the citizen is very clear. The citizen is the basis upon which all other powers are exercised in a democracy. Do you, you know that, right? You guys are falling into silence again. 
the rest of you, are you here? Or you're thinking of Lagos jollof rice? Because I hear that's the one that can defeat Ghana jollof rice. You know, those of us in Abuja don't eat good jollof rice. You people, you're in a different planet. You know? So, if the whole idea of leadership in a democracy is that a citizen of a country is powerful beyond measure because they are the ones with the power to set the standard of the quality of governance that they receive. Are you understanding that? In fact, the Roosevelt, uh, to the Roosevelt of the United States, one of their greatest presidents, said that, you know, government is not an alien force. Government is we, the citizens. Said the citizens are the government. And then I took it further and said that the greatest office in the land is not the office of the president. It's not the office of the minister, the office of the governor, or the office of the senate president, or the speaker of the house, or any of them that call themselves honorable and distinct oh, distinguished. <laughs> but that it is the office of the citizen. That the office of the citizen is the most powerful office in the land. That a citizen that understands the power that they have acting in that power each of us we can turn the tide of the outcomes of governance in our country. Have you understood me? But if we're indifferent and we're apathetic because we're waiting for some leaders to do that for us. They have absolutely no incentive to give you better than what you're getting. There's no incentive. What's the consequence of not giving you what you want? Has there been any consequence? For how many years now? 56 years of the existence of the country? Citizens continue to stay powerless continue to think that somebody is going to rescue them. It is somebody's duty to, to handle it. You're going to be waiting for a long time, guys. We all will be waiting for a long time. Because the responsibility is in your generation to change the tide. There comes a time when a generation says enough is enough. We cannot repeat the failures of our fathers and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers. How can we? Why should you? I stand up as part of the older generation to say to you, you haven't gotten the best out of us. I hate to join in telling those stories of how wonderful the university campuses were when we were in school. Why, am I, why should we be telling you? We should be too ashamed to tell those stories. But if you stayed at the level of your anger toward the generation that has given you a bad legacy, unlike the kind of legacy that David gave to Solomon, then you have missed your boat. Because you just be angry for nothing. You now must pick up your strength and pick up your understanding and say, what then? Does true leadership look like? And that's when you understand that you already are the leaders of the nation that you want to create. Pastor Idris, are we together? You can recreate Nigeria. Don't stay in church and have a good time on Sundays and do all the nice, nice things that you're doing. You can recreate Nigeria just as citizens. Not to talk of citizens that know who they are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Citizens who know who they are in Christ Jesus as I was preaching in the uh, adult church. These are adults. 
I don't know what I said that. Forgive me. I was in your parent church. That's the better way to put it, right? I was, I was preaching in the parent church. Citizens who are, who are Christians and know the revelation behind what the word of God says to us. That we are the salt of the earth. The light of the world. That's powerful. That's so powerful. That's so liberating. When people say to me, how are you able to have the confidence to stand and take a position on things that concern society? I say to them, there is no miracle other than the miracle of the word of God. Christ has said to me that I am the salt of the earth, that I am the light of the world. Anyone who takes on me takes on him. So, it's liberating. The real issue then becomes, am I truly the light and am I the salt? Because the eyes of God cannot behold iniquity. The problem, usually, is that we cannot stand up to be in the light. Because it's costly. It is costly to be the salt. It is costly to be the light. When the society in which you live rewards you for not being salt, better. You get more reward for not being salt, isn't it? You get more reward for not being the light, isn't it? You will have members of your family who will say to you, are you a foolish person? Didn't they say Jesus Christ already died? You want to die a second time for Jesus? On behalf of Jesus? And yet, a people of purpose, a people of destiny, must live their lives on the word of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. How, what Christianity can we practice without the word of God? I mean, what Christianity can we practice without the word of God? As I try to you know, take down my, you know, end my message. I'd like to just share with you something about, um, about leadership that, that I find appealing. That the, there are two Bible characters that for me personify my idea that it's a myth to say that Leaders are born. They are born, you know, we're born to be leaders or we're born not to be leaders. We all can be leaders. Amen? We all can be leaders. It's a myth to say that some are born to be leaders. The only people that are born to be leaders are the members of the royal family in the UK. No matter what they do, once they are in the line to become the, the king or the queen, what would happen? They would become. The rest of us have the capacity to emerge as leaders. We do. We do have the capacity. You know, I love two people in the Bible, and maybe through their life, as I try to uh, bring this to a close, you would see some of the things that Make me feel that we all can be leaders. Let's take Moses. Moses. <laughs> what was it about Moses that put him in the position to become the one who was going to solve a 430-year-old problem? Because that's what it was. God had told Abraham in Genesis... That your children will go to Egypt and then the land that they go to will then oppress them for 400 years. But I will deliver them. God did not say there that I will deliver them through somebody called Moses, right? So we can assume that we don't know what, what God had as a plan. But there comes along some fellow called Moses. Miraculous bad circumstance, miraculous safety in the place of persecution of the Jews and the killing of children two years and below, and all of that. And suddenly Moses is in the house of, the, of, of Pharaoh. The enemy was bringing up 
a Jewish child. And then Moses grew up as a prince in Pharaoh's place, adopted child of Pharaoh's daughter. But guess what? Moses did not balance in the palace and have a good time. Moses walked around and found that the Jewish people were going through some stuff. And on a particular day, this, the Bible says in um, ah, Exodus 2, 11 to 15, Exodus 2, 11 to 15, he said, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way, and he saw that there was no man. He slew the Egyptian, hid him in the sand. What do you think was happening at this point in time? Moses could not watch his people being oppressed even though he was having a better life. Do you understand that? That's leadership. He hadn't been called by God at this time. But just the fact that Moses was not comfortable to have a good life in the palace. He was selfless enough to put himself at risk because he saw that his own people being. You know what it means to put a position of being in the palace at risk? Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? Selflessness was exhibited, was demonstrated by Moses. It's interesting. It cost him. Before you knew it, he was reported by the same people that he was trying to save. They called him Altins. He had to escape. Where next did we find Moses? At the back of the, the, the house of Jethro. Some, you know, like forgotten. Now a fugitive. A man who could have stayed in the comfort of the palace. But he chose instead to suffer affliction rather than enjoy the delicacies of the palace. That's leadership. If you're thinking that leadership is when they will appoint you to a good position, when you become the MD of your company, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. The message from your altar, Pastor Idris, has to be a message deeper than God bless you. God give you money. God buy a new car for you. God change your shoe from uh, made in Abato Gushi. God move you from living in Ajato, Banana Island. No, come on. What's that? Those things are mundane. They can be done by God. If he chooses that that is part of what he would have you do. If he chooses that this is something I think that my son, my daughter needs. He will do it. All through the time you were going through what you were going through blessed. God was sitting in heaven. What God was doing was building character in you. Oh my dear brothers and my sisters. Moses was sacrificial. My father said that anyone who is not willing to sacrifice must not lead. They would be disastrous. Leadership is about sacrifice. Sacrifice. Giving up yourself that others may thrive. That's leadership. You give up yourself. Sacrifice. Moses was sacrificial. The people he led were an ungrateful lot. My goodness. They even cost this man an entry into the promised land. Ah, leadership is costly. True leadership 
It's costly. If you see anybody who is having a glamorous time and they tell you they are leading, tell them, oh, go and sit down. True leadership is costly. Moses paid huge cost in order to lead an ungrateful people. No matter what they did and said to him, he got angry and that anger cost him the promised land. But he kept leading nonetheless. Until God said to him, okay, step out. You're not entering. But guess what? God was still there. Exodus 32, 9 to 14. The sacrifice of Moses. Exodus 32, 9 to 14. God at some point said to him, let me kill these stiff-necked people so that I can, through you, create a nation. Did you see that? God gave him an incredible offer. And Moses said, I don't want. Ah, if this were a Nigerian leader, he said, God, kill them quickly, Joe. They've given me too much wahala. Kill them quickly. Ah, God, you, you are, after all, you are God. So you can create a nation through me. I will be the modern day Abraham. Ah, God, quickly. But guess what Moses said? No, Lord. Don't do this. Don't repent of your word. Because if you should do this, the people of Egypt will say that it was because you could not fulfill what you had said originally. Don't do this, Lord. And he stepped in and turned down what would have been a great offer by people who are not leaders. Moses was an incredible leader. He sacrificed the people he did this for cost him the promised land. But it didn't matter. Moses. Because number three, Moses was sacrificial. M M Moses was uncompromising. He was uncompromising. It didn't matter how many times he went to Pharaoh. With one plague after another plague. And Pharaoh would say, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. How many plagues happened in Egypt? Each time he went, he refused to be beaten down. He refused to be beaten off. True leadership never gives up. True leadership doesn't say, I wish the circumstances were more comfortable. Comfortable. If our circumstances are comfortable, do we need a leader? True leadership. Some compromising. Doesn't matter what the conditions are. The leader is there saying we must get to the set objective because leadership, as I said, is purposeful. If the purpose has not been accomplished, then true leadership never stops going. Are you following me? You keep forging on. That's true leadership. That's leadership. It can happen anywhere. It can be in your family. It can be in the school. It can be in your office. It can be here in church. It can be in the nation. It can be at any level that you have been put. You can rise in the stature of Moses. And simply be uncompromising. And say this problem must be solved. I'm not backing down until it is solved. Are you following I'm not backing down. Uncompromising. Not ready to negotiate away the objective until it is served. Amen. Moses was persistent. He paid the price of leadership persistently. Moses was a man of humility. A man whose meekness was well known. In fact, imagine when God, it became clear that God was the one speaking to him. What did Moses do? He hid his face away from God. Humility. True leadership is humble. True leadership is humble. Because the leader knows that if not for God, where would I be? I am what I am through the mercy. You have given me so much grace, so much mercy. So true leadership doesn't vaunt itself. It doesn't walk around saying, 
I am honorable, distinguished excellency. No. What for? True leadership is humble. Some people are saying, ah, the day that God will make me the something, something of something. Hey, when people see me, they will know. They will know that somebody entered. That's not leadership. That's nonsense. True leadership. Humility is a core part of true leadership. His humility was so well known. It wasn't a position for him. In Exodus 4 verse 10, Exodus 4 verse, verse 10, when God was trying to convince him that he would lead the people, do you know what he said? He said, no, I'm a stammerer. I can't even talk. <laughs> he disqualified himself. Today what we have are people who cannot talk, who then tell us that they are the ones who can talk better. leadership, humility, meekness. In Numbers 12 verse 3, Numbers 12 verse 3, we saw that. He said, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. True leadership. Are you loving this man called Moses? I love Moses a lot. Moses and the principles of his leadership really make up what the, 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 the human beings have been able to walk into MBA classes and you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and, to go and receive. It's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. It's Moses. My dear people, delegation. True leadership delegates. Why? Because true leadership is about mobilizing group resource. Pastor Idris, when you're not here, the church functions, doesn't it? Church is not built around you. Because true leadership enables everyone to flourish as leaders. True leadership mobilizes group resource. True leadership grows itself as much as possible. True leadership is about catching the spirit of the leader. It's about the fact that there was a Pastor Sam who made a Pastor Godman, Akin Labi, am I correct? Laid his hand upon him, he caught his spirit. A Pastor Sam, Akin Labi, and then there is a Pastor Idris, and then there will be Pastor Tokumbo, and Pastor, you know, Florence, and Blessed. And you know, you understand what I'm saying? That's true leadership. True leadership is not the only cock that crows are done. If you went to a city where just one cock crows are done, run. <laughs> Praise the Lord somebody. He said of Moses at the end of his exercise of true leadership. Deuteronomy 34 verse 10. Deuteronomy 34 verse 10. And there arose not a prophet since, since in Israel like unto Moses. Do you see that? Unparalleled, incomparable leadership was recognized. There was none that arose like Moses in Israel. Whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord knew him face to face. This message is for people of God, isn't it? This, we're talking to people who can be the Moses of their generation. We're talking to people who can take all these kinds of attributes. Because in Christ the Lord, my hope is found. He is my rock. He's my strength. He's my everything. When we are in Christ... We ought to be leaders. Not waiting. Christ already crowned us leaders. Amen? You were crowned a leader by Christ. You were discharged to this habitation called Nigeria to solve problems. And you're sitting waiting for somebody to come along. 
Help me to tap somebody. Wake up. Wake up. You've slept for too long. You're sitting on your leadership ability, your leadership skills. Exercise leadership over the refuse bin in this church. Exercise leadership over the toilet. Some of you complain about the toilet. Take leadership. Tell the pastor, you see, toilet, that's my business from today. <laughs> Exercise leadership on your street. If there is a useless road that you see them occasionally come and do some gravels on it, know that some budget has been put for it. You need to exercise leadership. Gather three other people and go and say, this road, can we see the budget for it? By the time you persist in going, what do you think will happen? They would be scared because suddenly somebody is interested. Apathy is not an attribute of good leadership. True leadership. Every citizen, every one of us in Christ, we have the power to be true leaders. And because I'm speaking to a church of considerably younger generation, some of you are not in any way older, or rather, King Josiah of that time, who carried out all the reforms you can imagine in Israel. He got to the king, to kingship at the age of 12, I believe. 12. So those of you that are saying, I'm waiting until I am old, then I will become the, the leader. This is time. Leadership starts today if you've not been leading. Is somebody saying an amen? amen. Leadership starts today. Some of you would say, I'm living in somebody's house. Exercise leadership. Joseph exercised leadership in the house of Pharaoh. Some of you are waiting to be given a position in church. No, don't wait. Go to membership class. Go to new believers class. Do workers training and find something. You can say to pastor, my business is that every day of every Saturday, I am going to target a certain segment of people in this region. And I'm going to just tell them about the good things that God can do if only they will follow him. If only they will worship him. That's leadership. My dear sons, my dear daughters, my dear brothers, my dear sisters, God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at your size. He doesn't look at your intellect. God can take you and qualify you and put you to an assignment. What we must do is to always ask God, what's that assignment? I want to know. I want you to direct me in the part of the assignment. Because if I should know my assignment and I kept doing my assignment, there's no leadership greater than that a man, a woman, should fulfill the assignment that has been given to them by the almighty God. You can lead. And I need you to rise so that we can commit ourselves to the Lord again and ask him to help us. We want to lead according to his word. That we are a people of kingdom assignment and vocational assignment. And we want him to make known the two to us. Direct apart. I need you to just raise this as a prayer. It's a personal prayer to God. Based on what you have heard me say. I need you Lord. To begin to reveal. A kingdom assignment. What's my field. That I should follow. And face. And work on. Let, help me Lord. I want to discover. What aspect of the kingdom assignment. I'm responsible for. I don't want to come before you and you tell me that I did not fulfill my kingdom assignment. Ask the Lord. Disrupt every situation in my life right now and put me in the place of my vocational assignment. No matter what I am finding joy and fulfillment in doing, if that is not the talent 
that you would love me express while I'm here on earth. I don't want to be called an unprofitable servant. If you have called me to be a teacher and I became the best doctor in Nigeria, you will not give me any excellent grade for being a wonderful doctor when I should have been a teacher. The teaching problem is what you called me to serve, to, to serve in Nigeria, to lead on in Nigeria. And here I am having missed it. No, that will not be your story. That will not be my story. Pray to God this morning. Ask the Lord to do everything necessary to place us on that path of fulfilling the real vocational assignment, the real kingdom assignment that he has for us. That this nation, this bound of habitation called Nigeria, will become a place that according to God's will, he proposed for it to be. A land of a people called unto the divine will of God. A nation that will influence the nations of the world. A nation of good governance, not a nation that will be known as a country of corruption, of systemic corruption. No, Lord, I cannot be the light of the world. I cannot be the salt of the earth in Nigeria. And then I sit on my leadership abilities. All that you have given to me, your words that you have constructed around me, and Nigeria becomes a failed nation. No, not under my watch. Cry to the Lord and say, not under my watch. Nigeria will not be a failed country. Not be a failed people. Not under my watch. My generation will not be responsible for a Nigeria that does not express its manifold destiny. Today, Lord, recommission me. Recommission me, O oh God. In the almighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Can we just say to the Lord, help our nation. Help Nigeria, Lord. Raise, raise your people. Raise me, raise me. Tell God to raise, raise them in the east, west, north, south. Raise your people, raise an army of people. A people of righteousness, a people of, 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 of integrity of heart. Lord, raise the people that will serve you, the ones that will live for you, the ones that are ready to carry the burden of leadership. It was that ability of Moses to be burdened that cut him out as a leader. Lord, raise the Nehemiahs of our time. Let us become your Nehemiah company. We shall rebuild the broken down walls of our nation. Raise us, Lord. Raise us. Raise the people of your church. Raise the life point. Raise this church as a leading church in the nation. Let this church be like the lighthouse, oh God. Let this church be like the lamp upon the mountaintop. Let it lead in the way that children of God live with values. Let us influence the value choices of our society from this day. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And finally, if you're here and you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus, you've been in church and it's been a good or uh, an okay relationship. But you know that in one way or the other, you've backslidden. In some way. Can I just see you raise your hand and just wave it to the Lord? It's not to me. It's immaterial. Those hands that are going up, the ones with responsibility to put something in them, please go ahead and do so. You have reason to say, Lord, I rededicate my life to you. Can I see you just wave? Just wave to the Lord. You're not waving to me. I see some hands over there. I see some hands this way. I see hands raising up. Please, those that are responsible, can you do something with those hands? You know how you deal with this in the place? Because I just want to quickly do a prayer and get out of your way. Those who are coming here for the first time and you want a relationship with God, I can see a hand up here. Yes, please raise those hands. Raise the hand with boldness to the Almighty because hand will, God will take that hand and lift you up. The Lord will take that hand and lift you higher. Higher than anything you can imagine from this day. Those that are here for the first time and you would like to give your life to Jesus, start a journey of purpose, a journey of leadership with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I see you raise your hand? You're here for the first time. You want to give your life to Jesus. Please raise your hand. That they will welcome you into the household of faith. Father, you have seen those hands. You have heard our prayers. All we ask, Lord, is that your purpose for every one of us will come to pass. You will send us that greatest help that can come from you alone. And you will send us helpers of destiny. That we will fulfill the ordination over our lives in Jesus' name. And we hand over our country to you. And we declare that from this day, through the light that you have lit in this place, 
Nigerians will become the candle of your light spreading across the nation that this nation will be known as the land of righteousness. In Jesus' almighty name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.